Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. The word of the Lord. Thank you for reading that, Evan. This morning we will focus especially on the uh, words of verse 15, which call us to always be prepared to explain or to share the hope that we have in Christ. So my friends, I think it was about two years, maybe three years ago, that I was last... uh, privilege to preach in High River, and at that time I was here as the pastor of Medicine Hat Christian Reformed Church, but today I stand before you as the chaplain of Medicine Hat College. And as I meet students, the first question most of them ask me is, what is a chaplain? And if they haven't asked me what a chaplain is, a lot of times they'll ask me, What is it that you do here? Because they see me running around and talking to uh, students and others and just mostly talking. And so when I'm asked what I do and what a chaplain is, I kind of use the textbook answer and I say, I am here to provide spiritual support for students and faculty and staff. But I could probably just as well say, I'm here to give people hope. That's what James, or uh, Peter rather, calls all of us to do, is, is to share the hope that we have in Christ. And that is what is so desperately needed in our world today. On our college campuses and universities, yes, but also in the world in general. Because we really do live in a world that is lacking hope. Statistics are shocking. In a recent survey uh, of Boston College, and it doesn't really matter if I use an American or a Canadian institution, the statistics are pretty much the same. In this particular one at Boston College, two-thirds of the students said that they were suffering from anxiety, from stress, from depression, And some studies are now putting that number at 75% to the students who are saying that they're just stressed out and anxious all the time. 
One more recent study that I saw even indicated that up to a third of all post-secondary education students believe that they would be better off dead than alive. Now they're not necessarily, and they're not indicating that, that self-harm is, is uh, in their plans, but they're just crying out, life is so rough, it's so hard, it's so stressful, I think it would just be better off if, it, if I were dead. And, you know, this is what Job in the uh, beginning of the book of Job really said, too. He cursed the day that he was born, and, and he goes through a period of saying, if, if only I had been stillborn and, and avoided all of this stress and whatnot. And so, but to have a third of our students feeling that, that, burdened with life is heartbreaking. And I didn't really believe it, but a couple days after I uh, had read that statistic, a student came into the chaplaincy office and uh, he told me a few of the things that were going on in his life. And then he said, uh, Chaplain George, I would be better off dead than this. And then right away he said, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt myself, but. And so there's this tremendous stress on the, uh, the college campuses. And we might wonder why it is. Why is, why is there this epidemic of uh, mental health struggles, of anxiety, of stress, and everything else? And probably in broadest terms, materialism stands at the uh, root of so much of the hopelessness and depression. Materialism in the, uh, in the philosophical sense that the only thing that really exists in the world is material. It's only things that are made up of uh, atoms, of electrons and neutrons and protons. Only the physical realm or the material realm really exists and there is not truly a, a God out there, and, and so this secular atheism, and it's really the official religion of Canada, it's taught in our schools, it's present in pretty much every uh, nature television you show and so on. You know, if, if you go into a science textbook, and it doesn't matter if it's in middle school or high school or in college or whatever, in these science books you're not going to find mention of God or anything else, and so there's this thought that, that it's only the physical that matters. You live, you die, and that's the end of it. Many years ago, a uh, Christian philosopher by the name of Blaise Pascal observed that people have this God-shaped hole in their heart that only God can fill. And... In his absence, there's always this nagging, nagging sense that, that something's missing, that something's wrong. And people try to fill that hole with, with all kinds of different uh, pleasures and pursuits and so on, but only God, made known to us in Christ, can truly satisfy that. So... Philosophically, materialism already sets us up for a sense of, of, of hopelessness in a, in a way of, of just not being complete and not being fulfilled. And then, well, don't do this because it's a horrible idea, but when you go on YouTube 
or something like that. There's just a thousand reasons to, uh, to become depressed. There's uh, climate change, and I'm not going to talk about whether climate change is uh, man-made or, or not or whatever, but it's obvious that uh, our climate is warming. For years, our family would drive from uh, the Midwest of the U.S. up to northern B.C. to visit family, and we'd always stop at the Columbia ice fields and take pictures of our girls and as our girls got bigger year by year the uh, glacier receded further and further back and and uh, where I grew up there was a glacier that was fairly large and it's all but gone now and and so teenagers and people in their early 20s are are really wondering what is this world going to look like in 50 years what if I, if I have a family and if I have children and grandchildren, what will this world look like? We know about the acidification of the ocean, of the uh, plastic trash found in, in the ocean and in so many of our waters, of depleted uh, fish stocks and other resources and so on. And Yeah, I preached a sermon about a year ago, I think, and uh, my youngest daughter was sitting with my wife and she leaned over and said, boy, dad's really being depressing today. I don't mean to depress you, but this is the world that our students are growing up in. And then, well, we haven't even mentioned Ukraine, the possibility of nuclear war, or rising tuition costs and, and the size of uh, student loans that Someday I'll need to be paid back, hopefully through a job that my degree or my diploma or certificate is uh, preparing me for, but who even knows that? And so there is uh, so much stress and so much hopelessness out there. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit comes to us through Peter and he says, listen, I want you to always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ. And so what is that hope that we have? What is it that sets us apart from those who are, who are living really hopeless and anxious and stress-filled lives? In Christ Jesus, we have at least three things. First of all, we have purpose in life. Secondly, we have a relationship with our Creator. And finally, we have a future. We have purpose in life. Remember the, the uh, philosophy of materialism and, and what's really being promoted in our society today is, is you only live once. You live, you die, and that's the end of it. There's, there's nothing beyond the grave. And if you're going to find purpose and find meaning in life, you're going to have to create it yourself and find it yourself. And, and, but we have something very different. Isaiah and many portions of Scripture Isaiah 43, verse 7 says that we have been created for the glory of God. And in a uh, 
beautiful statement of faith that I'm sure uh, Pastor David has mentioned once or twice in his years here. The Westminster Catechism opens with this question, what is the chief purpose of man? Why, why do we exist? And the answer is, of course, we exist in order to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We have purpose, and that purpose is living in relationship with an all-powerful and almighty God who brings us into relationship with him and into renewed relationship with one another. And so that God-sized hole in our hearts is indeed a place where God decides, desires to, to live and to abide. John 14, verse 23, Jesus says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. And so we have a God who desires to live in us and among us. We are never alone in a world where people feel increasingly isolated and alone. With purpose and a relationship with God, we also have a glorious future. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Quite often I prefer the more uh, modern translations of Scripture, but on this one I love the King James. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and take you back to be with me. What a glorious promise. What a glorious hope that we have. A relationship with God who gives us purpose and meaning in life and the promise of a glorious future when our days on this earth are finished. The thought that one day each one of us will be able like Mary, to fall at the feet of Jesus and to grasp him by the ankles and say, my Lord and my God, and be able to thank him for the redemption that we enjoy from sin and then to live in perfect joy and fellowship in a new creation where all of these struggles of a creation that's groaning under the curse of sin now experiences a new creation where the lion and the lamb lie down together, where the calf and the bear feed together and a little child leads them. What a glorious future we have. And so I want to thank you this morning as one of the churches that sponsors campus ministry because it's this hope that we are able to share with a pretty much hopeless world. When that student came to me and uh, said that, that he believed he would be better off 
if he was no longer alive, and I said to him, I said, yeah, it sounds like it's rough, but I think what we should do is go to our father and, and talk to him. And he said, can we? And we prayed, Heavenly Father, you know everything that's going on in this young man's life, and you know the pain and the sorrow and the hardship. Lord, by your Spirit, just come in and give to him peace and hope. And the young man left with tears in his eyes, saying, that's exactly what I needed. And last weekend, we had a chaplain's retreat in the Cypress Hills, <clears throat> Whispering Pines camp, and we spent some time talking about uh, the beauty of this creation, but also how this creation is groaning under the weight of sin, and we were able to then move from that and say, while we still have a colossal task and responsibility of stewardship in this world and, and, and leaving this earth as a better place rather than a worse place for our children and so on, Ultimately, we have that hope of knowing that in Christ, all things are being made new and that one day, every one of our ecological problems will be addressed in a new creation. And to be able to again share that hope with students, that they can look behind and beyond the struggles of today to that glorious future. And so Peter says, be prepared. In all circumstances, always be prepared to share that hope. And so quickly, just two comments yet on that matter. What does it take for us to share our hope? And the first thing is, people need to see the hope that we have. And I'm going to confess Right up front, I can uh, grumble, I can complain, along with the best of them. And it's so tempting to do that. And it's so tempting to, to mumble, grumble, complain over the smallest things. Because I had a low tire the other day and wow. How could it be that I got a low tire and I got places to go and everything else and now I got to blow that tire? And, and, you know, we can go down that path so easily. But in order to share our hope, it needs to show on our faces, in our words, in our lives. And yes, there are difficult times, but even in those difficult times, God calls us to, to face our trials in life with joy because he's working through those to strengthen our faith and to deepen our relationship with him. And so it's Thanksgiving weekend, but we know that there are 52 Thanksgiving weekends a year where we ought always to count our blessings and to thank the Lord for them and to live out of that thankfulness. But still, chaplain, it's hard for me to explain the faith and so on. It's hard for me to do that. 
And I don't know how many times over the years I've had members of the uh, congregation come to me and say, Pastor, I was talking to my friend, I was talking to my neighbor or somebody, and, and they were asking about... Uh, our faith and Christianity and so on, and so you'll probably get a phone call from them because they said they would uh, call you and set up an appointment to talk about faith, and you know, the phone never rings. 99% of the time when somebody says, okay, I'll talk to your pastor, they never do. They want to talk to you, and they want to hear of the hope that you have in your life. And we can make it so complicated and we can think that we need to tell the story of Christianity in in such theologically in-depth terms, but it's really not that complicated. I've been born again. I was dead in my trespasses and sins and I have been born again of the Spirit. Christ has paid for my sin and I'm living a new life. I have a relationship with Jesus and, and I have purpose and meaning and one day I'm going to be with him in glory. I know it sounds kind of awkward, but share the story with your cat or your dog a few times and it becomes so much easier to, to just share that hope that we have, a hope that our world desperately needs. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that in an increasingly desperate, hopeless, anxious, stressed out world, that we have a glorious hope in Jesus Christ to share. And so we pray that you would fill us again and again with the joy of the Lord so that it oozes out in our conversations and in our actions and everything else, and so that those around us begin to notice how differently we are living from those who are living under the weight of a sinful world. And so give us many opportunities and give us the faithfulness to be able to to share that good news with others and to be awestruck as we see faith beginning to grow in those who previously were without hope in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.